We are in chapter 15 of Sefer Shemuel Aleph. The end of chapter 14 was the conclusion of Shaul's life, or not the Shaul's life, it was a sum up of Shaul's family life, which included his two daughters, Merav and Michal, his wife, uh, Achinoam, right? Her name was Achinoam. Achinoam Bat Achimatz. He had his general, army general, who was Avner Ben-Ner. His father was Kish. He had three sons. He had, what were the sons' names? Yonatan, Yishvi, and Malkishua. Yonatan, Yishvi, and Malkishua. And we said Yishvi may be, according to the Radak, Yishvi is Avinadav, that is mentioned later in chapter 31 of Sefer Shemuel Aleph. So this includes all of the sons. And then it's missing the one, the Ishboshet son, because he was not a warrior. And here we're only counting the warrior sons because we're talking overall about Shaul's military exploits. Shaul led Bnei Israel and he fought a, the battle against the Pelishtim for his whole life. That was the ongoing battle throughout the career of Shaul. And the reason we started discussing and closing the chapter on Shaul is because this next chapter is less about Shaul and more about how he, st- he lost his grip on the kingship, the loss of Shaul's kingship. So before we focus on the loss of his kingship, he just wanted to sum up his career. So the, the chapter in which he loses his kingship is the battle against Amalek. Okay? Just a little bit of background on the mitzvah to kill Amalek. The mitzvah is um, that when you are established on your land, you shall destroy Amalek. This is from Devarim, from Parshat Kitetzeh. And we also see it at the end of Parashat Beshalach, okay? But when you are established on your land, you shall destroy Amalek. The mitzvah, to, to, uh, it, since it's dependent on us having a king and being established on our land, once Shaul consolidated his kingdom by defeating the Pelishtim, he has now established enough that it's time to destroy Amalek. And this is one of the most, the, the basic mitzvot uh, for the king to do is to destroy Amalek, okay? Pasuk Aleph. Shemuel says to Shaul, God sent me to anoint you as king. Over his nation Israel. Now listen to the voice and the words of God. So said Hashem, Master of Legions. I have taken accounting of what Amalek has done to Israel. That they laid a trap for them in the way. Baalo told me Mitzrayim when they came out of Mitzrayim. When did this happen? When they left Mitzrayim. When they left Mitzrayim, uh, Amalek was the first to attack, right? Mm-hmm. So when they attacked them on the, when they left Mitzrayim, why is this such a, such a bad thing, according to the Midrash? Because Amalek was the first to do so. Well, the Az Yashir tells us that uh, that all the people who lived on the earth were trembling and melting of fear. Amalek came and attacked Am Israel, which may have uh, that may have lessened the heat of the waters, meaning it may have made made it less uh, uh, of a scary activity to attack Am Israel. Okay, so that would be the, the midrashic interpretation for why what Amalek did was so bad. But now God remembers what Amalek did to, to Israel when they came out of Egypt. Now go and destroy Amalek. Go and strike Amalek and destroy everything that belongs to him or to it. And do not have any mercy on Amalek. That's a key word. 
And you shall kill from man to woman, from, uh, from the suckling, to, uh, from the, the, the babies, uh, the, what are the, the translation here? Infant and suckling. Infant, infant and suckling. From ox to sheep, from camel to donkey. Everything you shall destroy. Pasuk Dalid. Shaul gathered the people. He caused them to come. And he counted them in the place called Tilaim. That's according to the Radak. According to the Radak, but Tilaim is the name of a place. Okay, my time, Elif Ragli. 200,000 people. And there were 10,000 with Yudah. So 210,000 people is the army. It is a very, very sizable army because if you remember. Why is Yudah separate in the counting? Yudah is always separate. Yudah was separate also in the battle against Nachash Amoni, in which it was 300,000 and 30,000 from Yudah. Remember? Okay. So this is always separate. Yudah is always separate because there is a bit of a divide even now between Yehudah and the rest of the nation. Yudah was like its own territory. One of the jobs of the kings is to unite Yudah and thing. It happens very briefly in the kingdom of David and Shilamo, and then immediately after Shilamo, it divides again. So it's never really united to the full extent. So Yehuda is counted separately. Um, we so, and we saw that before. It wasn't this isn't the first time when we, we when we fought the Nachash Amoni, We had the same breakdown between Yehuda and and the rest of Israel. Now the Ba'ifkedem Batilaim is interesting. It says Yehoshua counted them in a place called Tilaim. But there's another meaning of the word Tilaim, and that means lambs. lambs. He counted them via lambs. What this is one of the sources for the mitzvah. That you're not allowed to count people mm-hmm. directly. You have to count them with an object. So according to the Midrash, or according to the other interpretation of this Rashi, what Vaifkedim Batilai means is he, he asked them to bring a lamb and he counted them via counting all of the lambs instead of counting them directly. Mm-hmm. Now Radak goes into a whole discussion as to um, the nature of the Isur to count people. And he basically says it's never permitted to count people for no reason, even if you do so with lambs or with an object. When you are doing it for a reason, when you're doing it for a necessity, says Radak, then you're allowed to do it with an object. Okay? But you can't do it without an object. This is how the Radak interprets it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? Pas okay. He could go into it longer, but... uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, there's another interesting thing. There's a, the Yonatan says Targum Yonatan says that they brought their their Pesach lehim. Why? So it, it must have been around. According to Targum Yonatan, it must have been around Pesach, and we also must know where the location is. Where would the location be? It must have been in Nov, which is where the Beit Hamikdash, the Mishkan, currently sat. At the time. At the time, okay. Because Korban Pesach, even though in Nov, in a time when the bit, the, the Mishkan was in Nov, you're technically allowed to bring a Korban of Bama outside the area of the Mishkan. For Korban Pesach, it always has to be brought at the Mishkan. Mm-hmm. So, from Targum Yonatan's thing that they brought their Korban Pesach, you know that a it was obviously Pesach. And B, the, the, where they, they did this count, it was in the city of Nov, which is where the, the Mishkan was at the time. Okay, but 
that's all uh, midrash, and that's not 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 that peshat. That's just some background information. Pasuk five. Shaul comes to the city of Amalek, and he sets up an ambush, or he attacks them in the brook. Okay, so that's where the battle took place in this brook. Okay, now there's another interpretation to Vayar Banachal, and because the problem with the word Vayar Banachal means and he fought. In the brook. But it does not say, Vayarev itam banachal. It doesn't say he fought them in the brook, in the stream. It doesn't say that he fought them, it says he fought. So the Midrash says that there's another interpretation here that it's not referring to him fighting Amalek, it's actually him referring to himself. He fought with himself. He had an internal, uh, he was unsure about something, and he had an internal struggle. Of whether it was appropriate to kill all the people of Amalek. The Midrash quotes Shaul as thinking that, am I supposed to kill everyone? Is it appropriate for me to kill? What did the kids do? And I think the Gemara, it's a, it's, I think the Gemara is in Yoma, in Dav Kafbet. Um, and then it goes on to say, it's, and then the Abad Kol comes, according to the Gemara, a voice comes out from God and it tells Shaul, Alti tzaddik do not be too much of a tzaddik. Because we know that later when Shaul starts to lose his mind, <coughs> he becomes very, um, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Crazy. Crazy, but <laughs> paranoid. When he becomes very paranoid, he's going to think that the city, the Novi Rakonim, they harbored David, and he's going to tell his servant uh, Doeg, Right, Doeg or Achitofel, I forget which one. He's going to tell his servant Doeg to go and kill the entire city of Nov. So he's showing mercy to Amalek, and then later he's going to destroy an entire city of Kohanim. Mm-hmm. So the Batko says, don't be Tzadik and then when it comes to the city of Nov, Ira Kohanim, it says, do not be a Rashat too much. Okay? All right. In the English, yeah. it says, and he, uh, and he fought... And then in brackets, it says them. <laughs> right, As right, because it's, because, like, because it's not there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not the Peshat is that he fought them in the brook. Okay, so that, that's still the Peshat. So there's a lot of Midrash today, but basically, Shaul is told by Shemuel to go and kill the, the Amalek people. He goes and he counts Ben Israel. He has a 210,000 person army. He, <coughs> he counts them in a place called Tilaim. He approaches Amalek, the city of Amalek, and he attacks them in the Nachal, probably in some kind of valley. That's what a nachal typically is. Okay, pasuk above. Now, in the meantime, before he, he, you know, he he starts doing the battle, he tells the keni. Now, the keni people are descendants of Yitro. Okay, he tells the keni people, who we know from previous psukim, uh, the, the keni people were nomads, and they were they were encamping wherever they could find. It seems like they had encamped next to the Amalek people. So he goes to the keni and he says, "Lechu suru redu Leave and come out from within the Amalek people. Lest I destroy you with them. Lest I destroy you with Amalek. But you have already done chesed. You've done chesed with B'nai Israel. In called B'nai Israel. The time of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And the Keni left Amalek to leave room for Shaul to destroy them. Okay. Now what, did, what was the good thing that the Keni people did with Israel? That is the question. What was a good thing? So there are two interpretations. The Peshat seems to be, according to the Radak at least, that it's referring to 
when Yitro helped them establish their court system. Mm-hmm. When Yitro came and he came to Moshe and he brought his family and he tells Moshe that you're going to get tired like this, he helps them establish their court system, which became the foundation court system for the, for the rest of time. I mean, that's, that was the most important thing for Bnei Israel to have. So that was considered a big favor for Bnei Israel. The other interpretation goes as far back as when Moshe went and was running away as a fugitive from Paro. And he went and, it, and was safe was given uh, shelter in the house of Bitro. So that could also be another interpretation that he gave shelter to the leader of Am Yisrael when he was running away from Paro. And because of that, we still are thanking Yitro and his descendants at the time, a, a few generations later, when we were about to destroy Amalek and they're found there as well. Pazuk Zayn. So Shaul struck Amalek from Chavilah until Shur. Asher al Mitzrayim, that was in the area of Mitzrayim. So he attacks them and he destroys them. He go, so Shaul goes all the way to Mitzrayim to attack Amalek? It seems like he routed them and he chased them all the way until in the direction of Mitzrayim. I don't know, Al Mitzrayim means in, the, in, in front of Mitzrayim. So I don't know what, what that, exactly that would mean. And he took Agag, the king of Amalek, alive. But all of the people he destroyed by, uh, by the edge of a sword. Now what did Shemuel tell Shaul to do? Let's read it again. Amalek, destroy Amalek, strike Amalek, destroy everything. Do not have mercy on him. Kill from man to woman. From the nursing to suckling. From ox to sheep. From camel to donkey. Now, if you're going, if you're going to that length to describe how much he has to destroy, it means destroy them completely. Do not leave anybody. Okay. But he had, by Achmol Shaul Be'am, Pasuk Tet, he had mercy, Shaul and the people, Al Agag, Shaul had mercy on Agag, and on the best of the sheep, which is going to be very important. The fact that they're keeping alive the best of the sheep. And the cattle. And the fat cattle. And the fat lambs. And all of the good. And they did not want to destroy them. And anything, any of the wealth that was of low quality, that was of mivza uh, 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 is like bazui, like uh, nobody cares about it, or it's like a um, degraded quality, and of melted quality, things that were not of high quality, that's what they destroyed. Now again, the pasuk uses the word, and they had mercy, Shaul and the people, and the exact wording of the Isur was, Do not have mercy on him. So it's, a, it's an exact, the exact opposite of what they were told to do. So, uh, and, and, and that was the sin of Bnei Israel. So they kept the, uh, the, alive the choicest of the sheep, and Shaul kept alive Agad. Now the reason, the fact that they kept alive the choicest is important to know, is because Shaul is going to claim that they kept alive the sheep in order to bring korbanot. But it's unclear what their intention was. It seems like they probably did it because they wanted some of the spoils of battle. This is also... Um... Okay? They took the choicest ones because they wanted the spoils of battle, because they wanted it to be good. Not because they wanted to give a korban to Hashem. And Shaul left, left alive a God. Now I heard an interesting perush. Now just, uh, well, this is where we're going to stop in terms of sukim for the day, but there's an interesting perush of why Shaul kept... Agag alive. If Bnei Israel are keeping alive the cattle 
in order for their, for their own personal gain, why did Shaul keep alive Agag? In order to, to maybe take credit for capturing him. You know, we saw, we saw in the beginning of the book of Shofetim when Bnei Israel killed, struck Adoni Bezek, was it? And, he, and Adoni Bezek would say, there were 70 kings I used to keep in my house that would eat bread by my table. And the reason he would have done that is because when you keep the king alive and you make him, let's say, your servant, it's a sign of grandeur. It's a sign of, I own this king. He's now mine. I own this king's nation. So Shaul may have been keeping Agag alive for personal reasons, for his personal grandeur, maybe to show off. The same way the people were taking the sheep for their personal reasons, Shaul may have been taking Agag for personal reasons in order to show off, like we saw another king did previously. It also happens with, I read it last night that um, um, Evil Merodach, I think, was the king of Bavel in the time of Galut Yehoyachin, and he brought Yehoyachin out of the dungeon and put him at his table just to show off that I am the one who is now in charge of the king of Israel, and he's, I'm the one who's feeding him his food. Okay, so kings would do that for their personal aggrandizement. Now, the reason it's so bad that they are taking spoils of war is because whenever, any time you have a mitzvah to destroy a nation, you're not allowed to take spoils. We saw it with Yericho. We see it with the Ir Hanidachat, that a city that has become a city of Abu Dhazara that needs to be destroyed according to the Torah, you're not allowed to take any spoils. And the reason is because you do not want to turn the mitzvah of Hashem into something that you do for your personal benefit. If Bnei Israel would not have kept the spoils of Amalek, then we could have said what? That for sure, they're doing it only L'Shem Shamaim because there's nothing in it for them. But the second they take the spoils of war, they're taking the mitzvah of Hashem and they're making it for their own personal gain, which means now there's something in it for them. So you're not even sure if they did it for the mitzvah of Hashem. And the problem with not doing this mitzvah of Hashem, and this is, a, it gets very deep, but according to the, the Nitziv ala Torah, and according to the Ora Chaim HaKadosh ala Torah, the reason why you never take spoils in these wars is because destroying, destruction, and mass killing, if it is done for personal gain, it can turn a person into a rasha. can take a person who is good, and bring out in them the, the, characters, the characteristic of akhzaryut, of, of, of cruelty. So it's, a very, it's very dangerous to do mitzvot of killing and mass slaughter unless you're doing it purely l'shem shamayim. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it for your own personal gain, it's going to turn you into rasha. So anytime we have a mitzvah of mass destruction, it has to be done without taking any spoils because... It has to, we have to show that it's doing L'Shem Shamayim. If it's not L'Shem Shamayim, then we may end up doing more bad than good with what we're doing. Okay, so that's the reason for this. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.